My name is Keith Dollar. If you're here for the first time, I'm so glad to have you here. Um, we are doing a short series in response to some of the things that we've seen going on in this nation right now. Um, we we uh, decided to put a pause on the ending of our book of Hebrews study uh, that we were going through, and we're focusing on the current pressing issues that each of us are faced with day to day, the elephant in the room, so to speak. Uh, for for many of us, it, it has been COVID-19, right? And so we were distracted and focused on that and just how do we, how do we work through, um, how do we live as Christians faithfully through this difficult season? And so we, we did some sermon series on that where we addressed uh, just how we can trust God and cling to Him through this time. And... And now we're doing some sermons focused on some of the pressing issues that we've seen recently uh, within our nation. We've been reminded of this issue of justice. We've been reminded of injustice that we've seen in um, our nation, specifically with brutality with police officers and racism towards uh, blacks within this country, which is something that's been long and deeply rooted within the history of this nation. And so so today we're going to look at this idea of doing justice. Uh, right now, we, many of us have heard the word justice a lot recently. Uh, perhaps you've been driving down the street and you, you can see on cars, on cars written um, I just yesterday or the day before I saw that, uh, justice for Floyd, right? George Floyd, who was a black man who was killed by a police officer by holding his knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And so when we look at that as, as Christians, just as human beings, something within us says this is not right. When we look at vulnerable people in this world that are taken advantage of and exploited, within us we should have this response that this is not right, and somebody has to say something, and somebody has to do something. And in the Old Testament, the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, when they had a word from the Lord, many, much of the time, uh, they addressed, they corrected and rebuked the people of God, Israel, for idolatry and immorality, but also social injustice, oppression of the weak and the poor, and the widow, and the fatherless, and those who were vulnerable in society. And so God cares a lot about this relationship here, our, our vertical relationship with Him, and these relationships here. And this issue of us being a people who seek justice and do justice is an issue of us seeking that out in relationships here. Amen? And so we're going to launch from Micah 6.8, which is one of the most uh, well-known verses uh, regarding this particular issue. Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? That's what God requires of you and me. Here's the big idea. God calls his people to pursue justice in society as a response to who he is, what he has said, 
and what he has done. Amen? God calls his people to pursue justice in society as a response to who he is, what he has said, and what he has done. The Hebrew word for justice is mishpat. Can you all say that? Mishpat. Mishpat. Okay? And it is used 425 times in the Bible. Tim Keller, in explaining and describing what, what Mishpat is in his book, Generous Justice, excellent book, by the way. Outside of the Bible, Generous Justice has been one of the most influential books regarding this topic for, for me. And I highly recommend it as you are seeking to understand what biblical justice looks like, what it looks like to be a people who do justice. And he says this, he says, the, the, most, the most basic meaning is to treat people equitably. It means acquitting or punishing every person on the merits of the case, regardless of race or social status. Anyone who does the same wrong should be given the same penalty. But mishpat means more than just the punishment of wrongdoing. It also means giving people their rights. Okay? So mishpat means, in, in one sense, it means punish the wrongdoer. God is a God of justice, and he will avenge those who take the lives of other people. He will avenge and, and defend. He will defend the fatherless, the orphans, and the widows. And he will avenge. He will uh, take. He executes justice and righteousness on all who are oppressed. God acts when he sees injustice in the world. It angers him. It bothers him. Okay? Um, and so that word mishpat is uh, used 425 uh, times in the Bible. Um, a quarter of those times, or, or maybe, let's see, I don't know how many exactly, but a good chunk of those in the red, uh, it's, it's, it's um, translated as justice. Other times it's translated as rule or rules or judged or judge, judging or judgment or just, and there's some other ways that this word can be translated. So what is justice? What is biblical justice? According to Dr. Tony Evans, he says biblical justice seeks to protect individual liberty while promoting personal responsibility. It is the equitable and impartial application of the rule of God's moral law in society. And there is no, there is no, clear, right, there is no clear right definition of justice that excludes God. God is the source of justice for us, right? Um, a philosopher, uh, Gideon Strauss, says that justice is when God's creatures receive what is due them and, and contribute out of their uniqueness to the common existence. Another theologian, uh, John Oswald, says this, justice is more than legal equity. It refers to the entire scope of God's government of his world. Thus, to do justice involves on the part of government a fair and just use of power and proper functioning of fair judicial system, especially to protect the weak from the strong. On the part of individuals, justice includes honest and fair business dealings and faithfulness to keep one's word, as well as not taking advantage of the poor or those with less power or protection. Another quote here from John Carter. He, uh, Joe, Joe Carter, I'm sorry. Uh, he wrote a Gospel Coalition article recently describing 
um, answering uh, what is biblical justice. He says biblical justice includes all forms of God-ordained justice, including the rectifying justice that belongs to government, and what we would call public or legal justice, as well as justice between individuals, um, what could be called individual justice, and justice involving organizations and groups, and what we would call social justice. Okay? So, that's what biblical justice is. That's the idea of justice. And it's important for us to define our terms when we're talking about justice. Because many people have their ideas of what justice is and what it should be in the world and in relationships. And for us as Christians, we want to be people who allow our view of justice to be shaped by the God of justice and his word and what he has said. Okay, um, so what is justice? We've just talked about that. Why should we pursue justice? Why is this a big deal? Why should we talk about it? Why should we spend a sermon today thinking about what justice is and looking at the why behind this? Okay, let me just say this. Over the last few years, actually since I've been a Christian, this is something that has concerned me. Okay? Before I was a Christian, I, was, I didn't care about justice. I didn't, as I shared last week, I didn't respect people, the, the, the sanctity of life, human life. And I didn't, I didn't respect property. And I didn't respect animals. And I was, I, was, I, was a, I was ungodly in my practices and unjust. And I took from other people. I stole property from other people. Because I didn't have this, this compass for living a just and godly life, right? Um, and so it's be, since I've been a Christian, it's become something that's important to me. As I read the Bible, I see that this is something that is important to God. But it, within the last five years or so, I began to see more of the why this is important in the Scripture. Okay? Um, my wife and I even... Uh, two years ago, when we were trying to decide what are we going to name our fourth born son, our fourth, the fourth one in the in the litter, what are we going to name him? And we were at a, we were having a date night, and, and the first name that we both came up with was Justice, right? Yes, we love justice. God is a God of justice. God has turned our hearts towards being a people who do justice and seek justice in the world. Uh, and so the first reason why I think that we should pursue doing justice is that simply God is a God of justice. This flows from who God is. Okay? He, uh, Psalm 80, 89, 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Okay? It's the foundation of God's throne. And by the way, Justice and righteousness go together. They're closely connected. The, the Hebrew word for righteousness is sedek. Sedek. And uh, Tim Keller points out that that, that word uh, can be translated as being just. Uh, though it's usually translated as being righteous. Um, and, and in the Bible, sedek refers to day-to-day -day living in which a person conducts all relationships in family and society with fairness, generosity, and equity. 
So we should do justice because God is a God of justice. It's the foundation of His throne. God executes justice for the poor. Psalm 103, verse 6. He executes justice and righteousness for all who are oppressed. And God loves justice. And I want to ask you today, do you love justice? Do you care enough about the issue of justice that when you see Somebody who's vulnerable being mistreated. When you see an immigrant to this country be mistreated and and abused, does that bother you? When you see an African-American person, uh, racism being directed towards black people in this nation, does that bother you? Police brutality, when, when, when there's corruption within the law, does that bother you? Do you delight in justice like God does? Have, have you allowed the God of justice and what he has said and who he declares himself to be, have you allowed that to shape your view of justice and develop in you a love for justice? And so Charles Spurgeon uh, says this, uh, commenting on Psalm 106, verse 3. He says, man's injustice shall receive retribution at the hand of God. Mercy to his saints demands vengeance upon the persecutors, and he will repay it. No blood of martyrs shall be shed in vain. No groans of confessors in prison shall be left without inquisition being made concerning them. All wrongs shall be righted. All the oppressed shall be avenged. Justice may at times leave the courts of man... But it abides upon the tribunal of God. For this righteous might, for every righteous-minded person will bless God. For this, every righteous-minded person will bless God, which is what David did. He was he was worshiping the God of justice here in Psalm 103, saying, "God, you're God who executes justice and righteousness for all who are oppressed." Where he where he where he care uh, where he were he careless of his creature's good, and did he neglect the administration of justice? Did he suffer high-minded oppressors finally to escape? We should have greater reason for trembling than rejoicing. It is not so, however, for our God is a God of justice, and by him actions are weighed. He will mete out his portion to the proud and make the tyrant bite the dust. As the uh, queen says, Another one bites the dust. Yea, often he visits the haughty persecutor, even in this life, so that the Lord is known by his judgments when he executes. Our God is a God of justice. This is the God whom we worship, whom we take delight in. All right? In Jeremiah uh, 9, 23 and 24, uh, he says, Let the one who boasts boast in this, that he knows me, and that I'm the Lord who executes justice, righteousness. Loving kindness in the earth. Amen? And so God is a God of justice. Tim Keller says this, that God loves and defends those with the least economic and social power, and so should we. That is what it means to do justice. The second thing is, is that not only is God a God of justice, He requires you and I to live justly, to do justly, to seek justice. To, to, to allow the values, the, the kingdom values, the biblical values of justice to be shaped in our hearts, in our minds, in our thinking, in our actions, and in our words. 
Just some of the, 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 the Old Testament prophets, some of the Old Testament verses on this. Isaiah 1.17 Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Jeremiah 22.3 Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do, do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless, the widow, nor shed innocent blood in its place. Deuteronomy 10, 16 through 19. It says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is the God of gods, Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial who takes no bribe, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving them food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land. This is important. God, when, when God calls the people of Israel to act in a just way and love their neighbor, God reminds the Israelites... That they used to be, for hundreds of years, they were slaves in Egypt under the oppressive hand of Pharaoh. And they didn't have the freedom to take an off day. They didn't have the freedom to go where they wanted, when they wanted, and, and do business as they wanted, and do their family, do many things. They, they lacked many freedoms. And God, with His mighty hand, He heard their cry, He saw their groan, He answered their cry, and He delivered them from the oppressor. He executed justice on the oppressed for the Israelites. And God reminded the Israelites, okay, now that you're delivered, I delivered you, not because of anything you've done, but sheerly because of my grace and mercy. I brought you out of the land of Egypt and delivered you. Now you treat others with justice and with compassion and love. The immigrant, the alien, the widow, the sojourner, the, uh, the fatherless, because you are sojourners in the land of Egypt. Okay? Uh, here, here's another one. Am Amos uh, 5, 23 and 24. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps. I will not listen but let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness an ever-flowing stream. Okay, now this as a worship leader is, a, is a, somebody who loves singing and worshiping God, and God commands us throughout Scripture to, to sing to Him. This verse kind of gets my attention. Okay, like, uh, take away from me the noise of your songs. God's telling through the prophet, He's getting their attention. I don't like your songs because you're singing those songs, but you're neglecting justice. And when we, we try to do our religious thing and we try to worship God and go through our, our weekly rhythms of, 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 of worship, and we're going to go do our thing, but we neglect justice, God sees a disconnect in that worship being not being authentic. Jesus said, one of the, the, the issues that Jesus had with religious leaders of his day, they, they, were, they were consistent in going through the rituals, showing up for church, tithing. They were consistent of doing all these external religious things, but they neglected justice and the love of God. And, and Jesus said, you shouldn't have left. These are the weightier matters of the law. That you shouldn't have left undone. Those other things are good. 
Like, you, that's great that you're doing those things, but you've left the most important things undone and neglected. May we be a people who major on the majors and minor on the minors. Amen? Lest we become like the Pharisees. Tim Keller says this in his book, Generous Justice, A lack of justice is a sign that the worshippers' heart are not right with God at all. That their prayers and all the religious observance are just filled with self and pride. Ouch. So the prophets get up in our face like this. It's good for us. You know, as, as uh, living in the, the, this day and age in America, we, we tend to shy away from the message of the prophets. We, we need to hear them and have a reality check. And we need to allow the, 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 the prophetic edge of the Bible that these guys bring a message uh, from the Word of God for for us, we need to let it cut us and challenge our way of thinking. And Isaiah, and Jesus quoted this. He told, um, he, he applied it to the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of their, their day, he, his day. He said, you draw near with your lips, but your heart is far from me. God forbid that we should have songs, lit, our lips praising God, but no action to, to display our, our love for God and our love for people. Amen? And by the way, let, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of coming down hard here. I, I think we have the DNA here for, for the outcasts, for the vulnerable, for um, the weak. The, we have, it's, it's a part of who we are as Christians, and it's a part of who we are as a church to be a people who do justice, to be a people who love our neighbors. Um, so God requires it. God is a God of, of justice. He requires us to seek justice. And here's another thing. He made us in his image. This is partly why last week I started this, this series talking about you matter. Every human life matters to God because we are created in the image of God. And this is the basis, the foundation, the motivational foundation, the foundational motivation for doing justice, we are created in the image of God. This was foundational for the civil rights movement with Dr. Martin Luther King and, 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 and the movement that he uh, helped lead. Um, listen to what he says. He says this. He says, you see, the founding fathers were really influenced by the Bible. The whole concept of a model day, as it is expressed in Latin, the image of God is the idea that all men have something within them that is God-injected. Not that they have a substantial unity with God, but every man has a capacity to have fellowship with God. And this gives them uniqueness. It gives them worth. It gives them dignity. We must never forget this as a nation. There are no graduations in, in the image of God. Every man from treble white to a black base is significant on God's keyboard. I love that. Every man from a triple white to a black base is significant on God's keyboard. I would add in there every man and woman. From a triple white to a black base is significant on God's keyboard precisely because every man is made in the image of God. One day we will learn that. We will learn one day that God has made us to live together as brothers and to respect the dignity and worth of every man. This is why we must fight segregation with our nonviolent with, with all our nonviolent might. We get an amen to that. Amen. I think that was well said. 
Letitia Morrison, in her book, Be the Bridge, says this. She says, the love of the family of God, uh, in the love of the family of God, we must become color brave, color caring, color honoring, not color blind. We have to recognize the image of God in one another. We have to love despite, even because of, our differences. Again, Keller says, the Bible gives believers uh, two basic motivations for doing justice. Joyful all before the goodness of God's creation, that, that is, we're made in the image of God. Joyful all before the goodness of God's creation. And the experience of God's grace and redemption. Now, this is key. Now, hear this. While we need to recognize and go back to we're all made in the image of God, we also need to go back to the foundation and the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what the power of the gospel does in our hearts and our lives when we receive and benefit from the grace of God. Okay? First John says it like this. First John 2, uh, 16 through 18. It says, By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Here's the domino effect of the gospel. Okay? Christ laid down his life for us. He's rescued us. He's saved us by his grace. He has justified us by grace through faith. We've been saved. And we've been declared just and righteous before God on the basis of Jesus' life lived Perfectly righteous and justly. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he satisfied the demands of justice for our sins. You see, God had declared from early on in creation, from the beginning, that the soul that, uh, that, that when you eat the fruit, you will die. When you, when sin will bring forth death. The wages of sin is death. The penalty for our sin is death. Jesus stepped in. The just one, the righteous one, lived perfectly before God the Father, obeyed the Father perfectly, and he satisfied, he fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. He, refilled, he fulfilled the justice that, that, that the law demands for the wrongdoer. And the reality is, is that you and I all fall in that category. Romans 3.23 All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. By the way, this should keep us humble before God and help us to walk humbly before Him, recognizing that we too are sinners saved by grace. And, and, less it, and as it's been said, and, and less the grace of God, there go, there go I. Unless God's grace had intervened and broken into the history of my life, unless Jesus had had mercy on me and opened my eyes and rescued me from death, then I would, I would be the worst of the worst. God's grace has intervened in our life. And that's the key. Doing justice displays the beautiful effects of the gospel. It shows that we have believed the, the gospel, we've received the grace of the gospel, and we've been changed by it. And that's why we care about helping the weak, the vulnerable. That's why we care about reaching across barriers that divide people. That's why we care about impartiality and favoritism being shown 
amongst us, whether it's in the church or whether that's in our workplace or in society, we want to see people treated with dignity, with value, with love and grace, because that's how God has treated us. And it's His goodness that leads us to repentance. Keller says this, It is the generosity of God, the freeness of salvation, that lays the foundation for the society of justice for all. I'll read that again. It is the generosity of God, the freeness of salvation, that lays the foundation for the society of justice for all. God's grace, God in His grace, makes us just justifies us, declares us righteous. Romans 5, 1. Okay, and that's, that's freely given to us. And here, here's what happens, I think, in, in, in a lot of uh, Christian circles, is that those who tend to emphasize justice may, 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 not, may, may neglect justification by faith, gospel core content. And those who tend to be justification by faith Justification by, 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 you were saved by grace through faith. The gospel's free gift of grace tend to neglect issues of justice in, in society, right? And it shouldn't be. These two should go together. And by the way, let me just say this. This is not a political thing, okay? If you're hearing me and you're thinking politics here, let me, let me say this. I think that the Bible should shape our view of, of the world of God, ourselves, justice, righteousness. And so this is a kingdom thing, okay? This is a, this is a Christian thing that we're talking about, okay? As the Pastor Tony Evans says, God doesn't ride the backs of elephants or donkeys, all right? He has called us to be a part of a different kingdom that operates differently, okay? And so doing justice displays the beautiful effects of the gospel. Tim Mackey says this. He's the, the, the producer of the Bible Project. He said, If God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek just righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life that, that, not, that is not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems what it means to do justice. Now, for, for me right there, that, that's helpful. Because one of the things that I've had to confess uh, regarding this issue in my life is the sin of indifference. It's not my problem. I'm, I'm not a part of it. I'm, gonna, I'm a peacemaker. I'm not going to get in this conflict here. I have nothing to do with this, right? And, and when I see injustice around me, and, and I'm indifferent, indifferent to, to the oppressor because I don't want to become the target of, of, of getting attacked or I don't want to step into the debate or uh, I'm not willing to, to inconvenience myself. And that's a problem because Jesus did that and he calls us to do that. Now, I think there's wisdom and, and I don't think we need to be in every single the Discussion and debate on Facebook and Twitter and, and, and many of the arguments that are happening right now uh, are unprofitable. You know, if, it's, if you're getting heated and you're attacking folks, there's wisdom in like, okay, just this is not going to be 
uh, productive for us to argue around this. And there's lots of debate around what it looks like practically to carry out justice in the world. Politically, in the church, um, socioeconomically, in neighborhoods, neighborhood associations, like, you know, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of debates around how do we carry this out, and we want to let Scripture be the dominant influence in our life. And so with the last question here, how are we to carry, how are we to do justice? How are we to carry it out? Keller again suggests three particular ways. One, through relief, development, and reform, social reform. Okay? He says that Christians may disagree about particular political about the particular political approach to the problems of injustice, but all Christians must be characterized by the passion for justice and the personal commitment to eliminate injustice through personal giving, sacrifice, and generosity. Okay? So that's that's relief. As we see somebody who's in need, we see a person who's not clothed. A person who doesn't have food, a person who doesn't have shelter, okay? Uh, to do justice is, in a sense, to allow that to, to, to burden you and, and for you to care enough to take some action, to speak up, to try to help meet that need, to show some relief to that person. And then development, you know, helping uh, that person kind of not, not get stuck in that same pattern again. Help them to develop some, some rhythms and some getting, getting on their feet where they can start getting income and, and start uh, addressing the issues. And then reform, social reform, that kept regarding the systems, the broken systems that oppress certain people, that, the systems that have been set up um, with favoritism. And there, there, there's something called systemic racism that has... Uh, been active and is still active within our country today. And if we're not uh, aware of that and are willing to, to see that and acknowledge that, we need to look into that. And as Christians, be willing to speak up to that where we see that. Amen? And so, in application, what are, what are some more ways that we can do justice? The first one is to identify the poor and the vulnerable around you and consider them. Okay? Like, it starts with us merely looking their way. Okay, when we're at a stoplight and that homeless guy or woman is right there and we don't want to talk to him, we don't want to inconvenience ourselves and we don't want to give a dollar, we don't want to give some snacks or we don't want to give a bus pass or a gift card or whatever, we just want to go about our day without any, any trouble. And so we look the other way. Right? I heard a story about pastor and with his son, I think they were on vacation and they were they were at the beach and and he saw uh, the pastor shares about how he he saw this this guy who was I guess poor and, and disabled and and it just looked like a bad situation and he he, he turned his son's face like don't, don't look over there like look the other way out of like let's let's not let's not get distracted right now or this is our time right and and of course later on he repented of it but he saw he saw that. The sin there. And so Psalm 41, verse 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not, you 
Do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed, and in his illness you restore him to full health. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. Identify the poor and the vulnerable, and then consider them. Derek Kinder, an Old Testament theologian, says this, that, that this considered implies giving careful thought to the person's situation. Giving careful thought to the person's situation. Taking enough time to look at them and think about their situation. And, 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 I, and I would add to that, to see them as people made in the image of God who are, who are worth dignity and value and care. So the next thing is to allow yourself to be inconvenienced to help the needy around you. I think one of one of the most powerful parables that Jesus gave regarding this issue of loving your neighbor and doing justice is the parable of the quote Good Samaritan. Okay, and, and this would this actually would have been a great sermon for today. Um, the Samaritans and the Jews there was animosity between the two. So racism was was intense and animosity was intense between the Jews and the Samaritans. Samaritans were um, half Jewish and half um, they were considered half breeds. Um, they were they compromised theologically in many ways. They were despised by the Jews. And Jesus in John four, Jesus Jesus had a conversation with a, a Samaritan woman. It was totally countercultural for him to meet this woman at the well and talk to her. And even be willing to drink out of her cup, out of her vessel. He said, hey, give me a drink. So when there's, when there's deep racism like that, barriers of racism and despising one another, that's a big deal that Jesus is willing to drink out of her, her jar. All right? And she ended up believing in Jesus. Jesus changed her life. Um, but Jesus tells the story. He sets up the Samaritan as the hero in this story. And it had to hurt the Jews. Because the Jews despise the Samaritans. Okay, Jesus tells the story of uh, there, there's two uh, there's a there's a Jewish guy who's uh, who's taken he's, you know robbed, beaten, and left for dead on the side of the road. And a scribe, a lawyer, a Pharisee, and a scribe they both they pass him up, but they don't stop to help him out. But this Samaritan guy he stops. And he allows himself to be inconvenienced by the situation. He sees him and he considers him. Actually, notice verse uh, 33 and 34. But a Samaritan, uh, Jesus was telling this story. As a, but as a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and he saw him. He had compassion and he went to him and bound up his wounds Pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. He, he, he even paid for a place for him to stay. And the next day he took out two denarii, which is uh, a, a day's, two days worth of wage, and he gave it to the innkeeper saying, Take care of him. Whatever, whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Jesus asked him, who, who loved his neighbor in that situation? The Samaritan. And, and man, I'm sure it just just irked the Jews to have to acknowledge that. Yeah, like this guy, he did the right thing. The Samaritan was the hero there. He did what, what, what the law 
require, what God requires of people to love and care for others who are vulnerable and in need. And may we do the same. May we be willing to look at, to stop and, and slow down enough and see the, the brokenness in the world around us. Okay, and, 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 and I think one of the things that's important too is this guy was, in the story, this guy was right there in front of him. Okay? Like there's a lot of people that we can get overwhelmed with, with, with trying to help out in the world. We can't help out everybody. And if we try, we're going to help out nobody, right? But there are people that God brings our way that we can help out. We have neighbors, we have family members, we have friends, we, we see people every day in need around us. And we can do something about the situation. And many times we don't do anything because when we say, I can't, I, I can't do anything in this situation, uh, what we mean, and what I've meant many times, is I can't do anything in this situation without making a sacrifice. Ouch. Right? So, sometimes, sometimes it requ- many times it requires us to make some kind of sacrifice, either time, resources, emotional, mental energy involved in trying to help those who've been abused, abandoned, taken advantage of. And lastly, speak up for the vulnerable. Through prayer, praying for those uh, in need and, and those who are have acts of injustice directed towards them, but also in advocacy, speaking up. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Amen? Amen. And so let's pray. Let's close in asking God to search us and asking God, what is our next step to live this out? To be people who love the God of justice and worship the God of justice and, and, and do justice in our lives. Not just talk about it, but take action upon what God has said. So, Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to rescue us. Because we have all failed to live righteously and justly as you demand. But Christ took our place on the cross, went to the grave, and rose from the grave so that we can be forgiven and free, and so that we can freely give the love that you've given us. And so soften our hearts. May we be moved with compassion. May we be shaped by what your scripture says about these issues. Not by culture, not by politics, but by what you say. May we have our minds renewed concerning this issue. And we thank you that you brought it to the attention of the world right now. And so may we keep the gospel central and may the gospel be 
what influences us to be people who seek justice and do justice. Ask Kevin to lead us in a song. Let's respond. If you want to stay there and pray, you can continue to do that. If you want to sing, let this song be your prayer.